Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We made it to the last Friday in May. This week, ahead of the holiday, we're going to do something a little different. It's an episode all about helping you figure out what the heck is going on with the pandemic. More people are vaccinated than ever before. The CDC has lots of new guidelines. No one has any idea about what to do with their kids. You have questions, and our guest today has answers. Dr. Emily Landon is an epidemiologist and infectious disease specialist at the University of Chicago. Emily, hey. Hey. Okay, so I think we should start with the CDC. Lots of questions on that one. They came out with new guidelines a couple weeks ago saying vaccinated people don't have to wear masks inside or outside. We heard from a lot of listeners wondering things, including Aaron on Instagram, who asked, why are we rushing this? Does it feel rushed to you? Well, I think, you know, I think there has to be, we have to separate out what the data shows and what we should do in terms of policy. And I'm going to come right out and say, I think the way this was handled was a big mistake, to be honest Mm. with you. I think the data absolutely supports everything that CDC said. People who are vaccinated really don't need their masks anymore, but we don't have that many fully vaccinated people. At the time when they came out with this, it was only like 30% of the public. And so it's not exactly exactly time to just say, so I guess we just don't need mask mandates anymore. Like that's sort of like, it doesn't follow. Yeah. It reminds me of something that Ali on Instagram asked about, which she lives in Mississippi and she was like, vaccine rates here are super low. So I'm still pretty concerned, you so, know? Yeah. It was a big shock to me. I mean, it's not a shock that vaccinated people don't really need to wear masks, but it is right. a shock to just basically say it in a way that, in, that, said, so you should do away with mask mandates and just let people do it based on the honor system. Especially, right. How do you even enforce that? It seems like you're just going to end up with a lot of super exhausted bartenders. Well, I don't think there's any way to enforce it. So it's been hard enough to enforce mask mandates for people on the front lines in, in, you know, sort of public facing businesses without having to figure out who's supposed to be wearing a mask and who's not supposed to be wearing a mask. And it's getting into the nitty gritty here. But like, There's two sets of evidence that I want us to consider here. First of all, there's Mm -hmm. the evidence that people who are fully vaccinated really don't need their masks. They're perfectly safe to everybody else and to each other. Then there's the other evidence that we've been talking about since like May of last year, which is that when, um, when we wear masks, they are both protective in terms of helping keeping us from getting COVID, but they also help keep us from spreading COVID. So it sort of seems a little bit like by suggesting that mask mandates could go away or not. I guess um, some people would say, well, they didn't say you should take away mask mandates. They said that local and state, you know, uh, rules should still apply. But they didn't say when it would be appropriate to take away mask mandates. And that's, I think, where they dropped the ball. 
Yeah, it seems to me like it would have made more sense if they had been like, once a population gets to 75 percent vaccination rates, you can call the whole thing off. Or, or even or even Greta, even if they said um, you once you get to a certain vaccination rate or your cases are this are so mm, sure. low that there's not a lot of chance anybody's going to have COVID. And the real the real issue here is. And I, I'm going to say this because I think it's really important for everybody to understand where this is coming from. There's kids, right? They can't be vaccinated yet. And then there's people like me, actually, who are immunocompromised. I have rheumatoid arthritis. And I take medicines to lower my immune system. Our vaccines don't work as well for us. And we're not sure yet if we need to give them a third dose, if we need to, you know, if it's just we have to wait until they're, they're doing better, what has to happen in order to make these people okay. And we don't really know. Interesting. Yeah, we actually had a listener question about that. Liz on Instagram wanted to know if there are still situations where vaccinated people should wear masks, whether it's inside or outside. Well, I think everybody should be wearing masks indoors until we have a uh, until we reach a critical mass of either enough people vaccinated or the case Mm -hmm. counts are low enough that it's not a problem. And I actually think that by mid-June, maybe July, the case counts are going to be low enough if they're continuing in the same direction that they're going now. The case counts are going to be low enough to really justify saying we can be done with our mask mandates Mm -hmm. indoors, at least for the time being. I think this just wasn't. um, It was. It was presented as really great news and basically instead of being a message about how important it was to get people vaccinated because then we could get rid of mask mandates, it turned into nobody needs to wear their mask anymore. And I don't know about your Instagram or your your Twitter, but mine is full of people saying how great it is that they don't have to get vaccinated and they also don't have to wear masks. It's not cool. <sighs> yeah, that is not... Yeah, that's not what we wanted. Um, Should I be carrying my vaccine card like in my wallet? Yeah, I don't know about that. So I think you probably want to have it. But honestly, I don't think you need the physical card. I would just take a picture of it and keep it on your phone. That's what I did. Oh, perfect. Okay, cool. So obviously, a really big piece of what's complicated right now is that kids still cannot get the vaccine. We got a voicemail about it. Here's Liz. Hi, Nerdette and Dr. Landon. I would love your advice on how to manage kids who can't get vaccinated. We're only planning on spending time this summer with adults who are fully vaccinated, but our 10-month-old daughter is not eligible for the vaccine yet. What precautions do we need to take to keep her safe? Can she spend time with us and vaccinated friends and their unvaccinated little kids? What about outdoor dining? I know the risks for kids are lower, but I don't want to become complacent and expose her to risks that are preventable. Thanks. What do you think? Uh, Liz, that's a great question. I I love this question. And there's actually a lot of data to help you uh, sort of navigate this with unvaccinated kids. So the real point that the CDC was making, and this is the big new information that really helped them to be able to back up the recommendation that vaccinated people don't really need to wear masks. Mm -hmm. And that is that when you're fully vaccinated, you tend to not get COVID. And even when you do get COVID, you're not very contagious. And that is really important because it means that amongst vaccinated individuals, COVID is unlikely to spread. We've even seen people who have COVID after being vaccinated don't spread it to their kids. So I think it's important to know that your daughter's at low risk. I don't think you need to worry about your baby spending time with people who are vaccinated. And I think if your baby can also spend time with unvaccinated people who are wearing masks and who are keeping their hands clean and who are keeping a little bit of distance from her. But the important thing here is about when you're in these situations where you can't tell who's vaccinated or not. And that's like mm-hmm. the grocery store and stuff like that. And this baby is too little to even really be wearing a mask. 
that's where I think you're going to want to stay out of crowded indoor spaces where there isn't a mask mandate and you're going to want to avoid um, having your baby up close and personal with people that you don't know their vaccine status. And so mm -hmm. that, that creates a lot of complications because what about a camp? You know, if you have a little older child and there's a camp and that you don't and they're not telling you whether or not the counselors are vaccinated and, and are mm -hmm. they going to be masked or not? Outdoors is obviously much safer than indoors, but if they're gonna be close up within six feet, then it really doesn't matter if you're outdoors or indoors. So it's really, um, you wanna make sure that your unvaccinated kids are really only having up close contact with people who are wearing masks or who you know are fully vaccinated. But there's great data to suggest that you're good if she's only spending time with vaccinated people. That's good to know. Well, and I have a friend with a, I think their kid is like four months old now. And he was saying he's just using it as an, ex like, if he had any people in his life who were hesitant about the vaccine, he's like, well, if you want to see my new kid, you need to get a vaccine, you know? It's yeah. like his little trick for it, which I thought was great. Um, Aaron on Instagram wanted to know if it's likely the vaccine will be available for kids under 12 before school starts this fall. Yes, I think it will. All the companies and all the pediatricians of the world are really, really pushing to make sure that vaccines are available for all school-aged children before they go back to school. I know that you keep hearing this um, sort of the under-promise, over-deliver um, over plan, where they're telling you <laughs> that maybe by uh, 2022. But to be honest with you, the time frame for um, the 6 to 12-year-old group is probably more like one to two months. So oh, that's amazing. I'm hoping to see it in the next really short term before school definitely is what we're looking for. Now, I do want to mention that there has been some news in the last couple of days about myocarditis or sort of inflammation of the heart in younger kids in the you know 12 to 25, I think, age group of, of individuals who have been getting vaccinated now. And this is something that we need to consider, but it's also not very bad. They're talking about okay. sort of a transient mild issue where the heart isn't pumping as effectively for just a you know a couple of weeks and it's resolving on its own and it's huh. not even causing a ton of problems so there's a lot more to learn about this and it could go either way maybe they'll find more severe cases but honestly children it's not that common for children to have Still this it. if it was if we were seeing a lot of it i think we would be hearing about the more severe cases so i'm pretty optimistic that this is not going to be a major issue and i'm absolutely okay. planning on giving my 12 year old son and boys more common in boys than girls and um my 12 year old son will get a second dose without um any concern on my part again this is the risk is just pretty low and it seems like it's um going away pretty easily for these kids mm -hmm. so we're taping this on tuesday morning um as of now, we're like just shy of 50% of Americans who have gotten at least one shot. Do you think we're going to get to President Biden's goal of 70% by July 4th? No, I don't. And yeah. I think um, I think the CDC recommendation actually has something to do with trying to encourage people. I, well, I think they were trying to encourage people, but I don't think it had the intended effect. Unfortunately, yeah. I think it has made it so that people who may have been gotten vaccinated just to get the community numbers to a place where they would be able to be free of their masks or able to have less social distancing, because a lot of municipalities and states have put out these plans about well, we'll relax. You know, Illinois has one. There's a bridge right, phase. Once we get to and then these a benchmarks. Yeah, yeah, when we get to these benchmarks. And that was a real, you know, push like 
to people to say to their friends, hey, dude, I want to go to concerts again. Can you please just get your vaccine? That sort of thing was, I think, working in terms of getting people vaccinated. But now that the CDC said it's not just you don't need a mask if you're vaccinated, but you also don't need any social distancing, that sort of has um, left government officials and people who are making these policies and plans in a difficult position because there's no good way to know who's vaccinated or not. And everybody, mm-hmm. I, I think most people feel that while it may be reasonable to ask for somebody's vaccination status before they get on an international flight, it's completely different to say you need to have a vaccination status to go to the grocery store. Like nobody yeah. really thinks you should have to have papers for that, you know? So a coworker was telling me that he saw the other day, two people at a grocery store who were not wearing masks, who had their vaccination cards laminated and they were wearing them around their necks. Yeah. I think that's just, you know, there are a lot of Americans who feel like they want to do the right thing to help other people and make people feel good. And then, you know, all you have to do is look at my Twitter mentions and you'll see the other group of Americans who really don't care. Like they Mm. think that this is a hoax, that this doesn't matter and that masks are stupid and they're going to use any opportunity to be able to take off their mask and just go back to normal. And they don't really care if it, if somebody else thinks it's going to hurt somebody because they're not, they're not in that crowd. And I think that's the real issue with this CDC recommendation, because now those people have no reason really to get a shot because they've gotten all of the rewards of being vaccinated without having to do it. And yeah. the government officials sort of are, are stuck with, well, it, CDC says we should be affording people who are vaccinated these privileges and I can't tell the difference. So I can't really hold it back from the vaccinated ones so or stuck. Something that's kind of stressing me out, too, is the idea of like, you know, as a person who has worn a mask, I I do that because I believe in science, because officials have told me that it's important to do it. And so it's really confusing now with the CDC stuff, because then now I'm like, am I actually perpetuating misinformation when I do keep wearing my mask in public spaces, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I think that at this point, I would say knowing the science about masking, that that protecting other people is also a little bit about you wearing your mask and um, sort of keeping that social norm. I've noticed that still in Chicago anyway, a lot of people are still wearing masks everywhere. And I like Mm -hmm. that. So I don't think that's anti, I don't think it's anti-science to wear a mask. I think it is, I think it is pro-social. Let's just put it that way. After the break, we're going to talk about variants, testing, and whether the pandemic will ever officially end. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. One question we had from Laura, you kind of hinted at this earlier. Do you think we're going to see another spike before long? I do think that we'll see another spike in the fall when people come back inside. I think there's all these sort of convenience vaccinators, the people who don't feel like, who realize COVID's real, but don't really think they're at high risk. And so they don't really want to wait in a long line or, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, troll online to try and figure out how to get one. Negotiate the websites. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think that they're going to sort of get skipped unless we really have a good plan for getting everybody vaccinated, like having it at these, you know, these events outdoors and like having it at the grocery store and the, you know, the hair salon and, and Chicago is doing pretty well at that sort of thing. I just don't know how well we'll be able to keep that up. So I think there'll be some unvaccinated pockets in the country and in Chicago that will maybe end up having little pockets of infection when we all end up back indoors. But I think that's going to be another opportunity to get people vaccinated. And hopefully those pockets of infection will just be in in sort of unvaccinated, healthy people. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Raquel on Instagram was wondering about variants and whether it's possible they could impact vaccinated people. Yeah. So right now, all the variants are actually covered really well by the vaccines that are available in the United States. People who are catching COVID are basically catching either the variant or the wild type, the old COVID, so to speak, just based on whatever's going on in their community. And some vaccinated people will get COVID. That's okay. And they don't seem to be getting variants more often than they are getting other COVID and it doesn't seem to be making them any sicker. That's the good news. So it seems to be working. And I think the B1617, which is the variant that's coming, that's from India that everybody's very mm. concerned about. That's really done. I mean, the situation there is just horrible. Oof. My heart goes out to everyone. Yeah. I have many friends with family who've lost family to that. And it's just mm. awful, but there is not a lot of vaccination there and the vaccines do appear to work for this variant. But we'll see more as time goes on. Hmm. So, yeah, back to the subject of immunocompromised people. Our listener, Sam, wanted to know how we can protect the most vulnerable groups. It seems like a big one is just wearing a mask in public spaces. Yeah, wearing a mask in public spaces is a good idea. And it's, it's the problem is it's most important mm-hmm. for the people who are unvaccinated and are still vulnerable. And I know that the, you know, immunocompromised people are going to do it. A lot of people are going to have their kids mm-hmm. do it, especially here in Chicago and in Illinois. But I, the people who are, mm-hmm. you know, strong and wrong, the ones who are like, I am, you know, give me no mask or give me death. Um, <laughs> that's your definition of liberty. They're going to, you know, they're, they're not going to wear their mask. Yeah. So Carla had a question about vaccine hesitancy. Let's take a listen. Hi, my question is, how long after you get your vaccine are you likely to show any adverse reactions? I was under the impression that it was a very small window of time, maybe just weeks after. However, when I read about folks who are waiting to get vaccinated, a lot of them share that they want to wait and see uh, the long-term effects. Is it possible to one year, five years, 10 years down the line, show any adverse reactions to the COVID vaccine? What do you think? Ah, your listeners have the best questions. (laughs) Listen, this is so great. Okay, Carla, I got to tell you and everybody else, here's an important thing to know. In the history of vaccines, 95% of the long-term effects, sometimes you can have an effect from a vaccine that can be very long-term, right? They all start within six weeks of giving the vaccine. Hmm. So no, the and the only exceptions are in uh, immunocompromised individuals that get live virus vaccines. And we're not doing that. These are not live virus vaccines. Okay. So we don't give those to immunocompromised people anymore because of this. 
So the reality is that vaccines, especially these vaccines for COVID, they disintegrate within a very short time after being mm. given. So the um, the messenger RNA vaccines, they are completely degraded by your body's natural enzymes and normal like sort of cleanup process within hours of getting that vaccine. And so there's nothing really floating around. There's nothing causing problems. So there's mm. no way for it to sort of perpetuate and be ongoing. In other words, the only long-term effect you're going to get from these vaccines is immunity. Yes, is not getting COVID, or at least not getting it as badly. Yeah, yeah. the reality is that, it, and you know, some people do have bad side effects right afterwards. And I mean, I had some pretty significant side effects after getting my vaccine for a day, hmm. right? And then they go away. Now, the issue with the vaccine-induced thrombotic thrombocytopenia, which is a really, really long word for the clots that we saw after people got AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson, those are still incredibly rare. They happen about a week after. They start up about a week after, not in the first couple of days. Those issues, they still start pretty quickly. So I think all the people out there who are saying that they really are waiting to see the long-term effects of the vaccine, you have seen what you're going to see. There is not more to come. Well, good. That's great to hear. Carla also had a question about booster shots. So did Karen. What's the deal? That's probably going to be a thing we'll need to get, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So this is where everybody everybody's very concerned that they like cut corners in terms of safety and all this stuff. No, nobody cut corners in terms of safety or efficacy. They cut corners in terms of how long it was going to last. And so right. we don't I, don't, I can't answer those questions because <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing to know. They started giving some boosters to some people in the original trial group that were oh, a year a year out. What's not clear to me is if they needed the boosters because their immunity was waiting or if they just thought, well, year's a round number. Let's start giving boosters then and see how it goes, which is definitely a possibility. Um, sure. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think we are going to probably need some boosters, but I, I just don't know when yet that that science is not done. Mm -hmm. Something I've been really curious about lately is like, I know that COVID is something we're going to be dealing with in our lives for a long time, but like, what about specifically the term pandemic? Like, the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic on March 11th of 2020. Will there eventually be a day when the WHO will say it's over? And if so, like, what are their criteria for that? So um, the definition of a pandemic is when a disease that's new or not commonly seen is affecting an infection is affecting multiple countries on multiple continents mm. and is sort of out of the ordinary. So it depends on if this just goes away or if we call it now endemic, which means it's just part of mm. the natural landscape. But I think mm. uh, we're not there yet. And it takes at least a few years for these things to fade away uh, globally in the past. Everybody would love to see it fade away faster because we're so good at making these vaccines now and we have so much more technology. But we're, I mean, we're only a year in. So I think we're going to have yeah. to um, sit tight a little bit longer. And I mean, you'd still see what's happening in India and there's plenty of other countries that Absolutely. just can't get enough vaccine. So, you know, we're, we're not there yet. Um, I, I feel personally a little bit like um, a lot of people took that CDC guidance about masking as the end of the pandemic as like the announcement. Oh, we're done with this now. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a very um, American focused way of looking at it. There's a lot of other parts of the world that are really still struggling and that poses a threat to us. Oh, so that's, that's wrong to look at it that way. So I think it's not over. 
the good news is it's getting better for us, but I think that means a global citizen would say, now it's time for us to focus on how we can help our neighbors. But I still think there's a lot of people here that need some help. So a little bit of both. True. So we just went through just like, as my friend would say, a buttload of information. Are you feeling optimistic these days? I'm really optimistic about the summer. I will tell you this, even an immunocompromised person like me and my son is going to be fully vaccinated. My mom and my sister are obviously fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And we, I'm going to take my son to Puerto Rico in July. That's amazing. I know because we can be outside most of the time. It's part of the United States, not out of the country. I think it's to be relatively safe. And we're all going to Hawaii in the end of August. And I'm really excited. I haven't been, I haven't even been on a plane and I love traveling. So Mm. I'm really optimistic about the summer. I'm a little bit measured and realistic about the fall and the winter. Now, I think Mm -hmm. whatever happens in the fall and the winter is going to be surmountable and absolutely reasonable for us to get over. I don't think it's going to be unbelievable unless there's, uh, you know, a new emergence of a variant that over is breaks through the vaccine. But I, Mm -hmm. I don't expect that. I expect it to be something, but I don't want to be too pessimistic about it because I think we have a lot of tools now. And as soon as we have the one thing we, the last thing we need to beat this to really beat it is an orally bioavailable. In other words, a medicine that we can give as a pill that will work, mm. right? Nothing that needs to be injected, but a pill yeah. that somebody can take that will either reduce the damage of the infection, sort of make it less likely that you will have a bad outcome, but even better, that will prevent you from getting sick after an exposure. And so you can give it to immunocompromised people after they've had an exposure or to kids who haven't been vaccinated yet, or even to adults who haven't yet gotten a vaccine. I think that would be the absolute holy grail. We would have all the tools we need. um, And then we just have to make sure that everybody has access to them all over the world. And then I think we're gonna find ourselves in a lot more of a secure um, biosafety sort of standpoint. Could we call it a chill pill? I'm not sure it will make people chill, but it will certainly keep, hopefully keep the, in my mind, it'll keep them from getting COVID. It'll keep you chill. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for answering all those questions. You're the best. No problem. that's it for this week. I hope you enjoy a nice long weekend if that's a thing you get to do and that this episode was at least a little bit helpful. Thanks to everyone who asked such great questions. Carla and Lauren and Sam and the Liz's and the Aaron's and Karen and Shira. Y'all are just the best. We will be back next week, which also happens to be next month with our typical episode structure and a panel chat. And speaking of next month, we actually have a virtual event coming up. We're calling it the Nerdette Book Society. We're going to have an indie bookseller who can give customized book recommendations to you. Plus, we're going to break out into little groups based on genre where you can talk with other Nerdette listeners about what you're reading now and get some more recommendations and you get to meet other Nerdette listeners. I'm super excited about it. I would love for you to come. It is on Tuesday, June 8th at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can get more information about it at wbez.org slash events. You can keep in touch with Nerdette and the team on the interwebs. We are at Nerdette Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Greta M. Johnson. And our producer, Isabel, is on Twitter at Isabel T. Carter. Our producer is Isabel Carter. And our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. See you next week.
Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.